0: Welcome to Episode 268 with my guest, Laura Keitlinger. Today's episode is sponsored by Penzu, your personal journal in the cloud. Penzu is where millions of people keep their most private thoughts, all locked up with a secret password. Go to penzu.com. that's spelled P-E-N-Z-U. Go there now and sign up for a free account. And for extra security and fun customizations, get on your computer and go to penzucom slash GoPro and use the promo code MENTAL for $5 off your pro or pro plus subscription. I'm Paul Gilmartin. This is the mental illness happy hour, a place for honesty about all the battles in our heads, from medically diagnosed conditions, past traumas, and sexual dysfunction to everyday compulsive negative thinking. This show is not meant to be a substitute for professional mental counseling. I'm not a therapist. It's not a doctor's office. It's more like a waiting room that doesn't suck. The website for our show is mentalpod.com. Mentalpod is also the Twitter handle that you can uh, follow us at. Um, please go check out our website. You can fill out surveys. Maybe we'll read yours on the show. You can post in the forum. You can browse the forum. You can read Blogs uh, by me, guest blogs by uh, other people. Um, you can support the show financially, all, all kinds of stuff. Uh, so go check that out. Um, did I have any notes that I wanted to share with you before today's episode? Uh, actually, not that I can think of. All right. Uh, this is a struggle in a sentence uh, survey filled out by uh, a woman who calls herself bird feet and about living with an abuser. She writes, living with an abuser is lying to this day about small things so that another person's anger might be avoided. In a snapshot from her life, despite spending an altogether lovely day with my coworkers, I spent a lot of time worrying about them being as fake with me as they are with each other. This was filled out by Stray Dreamer, and uh, she's a teenager, and she writes about being a sex crime victim, uh, forever trying to convince myself that not every guy is like him. And this was filled out by Kim. uh, And this is a snapshot from her life. And she um, has terrible anxiety. And she writes It's been three months since I've been in a crowd, standing on the pier at Coney Island, surrounded by thousands of happy people enjoying a hot summer day. The panic starts as a skip of a heartbeat and quickly consumes my entire body and mind. I freeze, unable to breathe or think, heart pounding, vision blurring, people staring. I start screaming for my brother, my boyfriend, anyone to help, gasping, screaming, and crying. I feel my brother's arms pick me up and run, cradling me like I'm his baby sister again, out to the parking lot. We sit in the car and cry together because he's felt the panic too. At least we have each other. I won't give up
1: if he doesn't. I fear that I'm inadequate. Fear that I'm inadequate.
2: So recently I've been punching myself a lot. Sometimes I feel like my full-time
0: job. Mental illness.
2: To the next person's house, and you just hope they don't throw you out like garbage.
1: You know, so I planned my suicide. Because you won't ask for help. I'm asking for help. I'm not pretending everything's okay. I'm not trying to do it alone. I'm really happy that I did it, because a lot of good things have happened since then. That that option just evaporated, and I'm not going to kill myself. I don't think I have what the woman, who is not right for
0: me anyway, (laughs) wants.
1: I'm
0: here with Laura Keitlinger, who I'm very, very excited to have on the podcast. Uh, I've admired your comedy. For a while, and uh, we finally got to meet. We did a show together at the Improv about a year or two ago. Yes, and
2: you were brilliant, and oh, I remember laughing a lot that night.
0: You're very nice. Um, your, your stand up can be, and your um, what was the quote about the New York Times, uh, the New York Times about your book? Oh, um. Um.
2: Now I'm going to pretend that I don't have it printed on my it was pillowcase. Something about being uh, like disturbing I, and funny and oh, dark. Yeah, yeah so di- uh, it, it, that it was um, disturbing and memorable. So yes, that's. that's no. it, it, although I just forgot it.
1: <laughs> just
2: now. Well, I, yeah,
0: I I, uh, I love the fact that you don't remember what it was. Yeah. Well, thank uh,
2: you. I'm actually I've started a new book called Unlikable Characters, and it's taking me forever to finish it. But, you know, it's been a long time coming that it's been almost 15 years since the last one.
0: People may know you from your stand up specials. They may know you from I'm sorry, I just blanked on the name of the IFC special that you wrote. Oh,
2: it was uh, the Minor Accomplishments of Jackie Woodman. Yes. And I was on Lucky Louie.
0: And Lucky Louie. And you've appeared in a bunch of other stuff. But Mm -hmm. this isn't about show business. This is about you. Okay. And uh, the things that you struggle with. Uh, one of the things that I heard you share, I think it was on Marin, maybe, uh, was that you was it you were born. Your father had another family. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do how do you describe? I'm the, illegitimate. My mother. I didn't want to use that word. Oh,
2: I don't mind it. Okay. Or what should I say? Love child? Lust child? Let's just make something okay. up new. Because I don't know if it was love. I think, but it in may the have same been town as his yeah. other family. Yeah, my dad was married, and uh, and he was he. I guess you know he he did well. He was uh, owned an optometry chain called Union Optical, uh, and I didn't even know that my that it was the cliche. But I think my dad was maybe the only Jew in Jamestown, and he was also uh, an optometrist. <laughs> Which is, I've talked to Carol Leifer about that. She said, "Well, you know, that's what." Jewish dads do. They're up to. Anyway, so, but yeah, we they were. And optometrists,
0: notorious pussy magnets.
2: Oh, really? Must be. <laughs> <don't know>. Right? <laughs> well, if you're sitting close to someone. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so weird. Yeah. Okay. Well, when you think of it, you're look, looking into someone's eyes. So um,
0: That's true. I never thought about
2: that. Yeah. And I used to think, because I didn't know my dad that well, that I, you know, if I had an exam, even that we had to pretend I didn't know him, you know. <laughs> And so I'd go in for an exam and be looking into his eyes, and I just thought, wow, this is another layer of, like, I really don't know you, and I'm looking straight into your eyes, and you're my dad, and I have to pretend I don't know you. But, yeah, so... Why did you have to pretend you didn't know him? Oh, because, yeah, because he was married, he had two kids, and lived in the same town with my mom, you know, who he had an affair with, an ongoing affair. Um, They were in an affair uh, until he died. Um, And um, I was... uh, yeah, I was 17 when he died. But, yeah, because, uh, you know, it's just a secret. It's
0: a small town. We lived, you know. Did he know you knew? Yeah. Okay. So it was just unspoken yeah. between the two of you.
2: right. And he didn't... Wa- I mean, I didn't call, call him dad. Yeah, I called him Harold. And um, I used to have this thing. I Actually, I think it might have been in my book. Uh, about when I was really little and didn't understand. My mom tried to tell me. And I thought, oh, I have to keep it a secret because... I don't know, I thought maybe he was a spy or something cool, or I thought maybe he was, I don't know, Superman, or I don't know what I thought he was doing, but I thought that made me cool, like he's doing something that, you know, I have to be, I can't tell anybody about him, you know. And then I just realized, you know, it's just because he's, you know, having a, an affair with my mother.
0: How old were you when you realized that, that it wasn't this awesome thing?
2: Um, about nine, I
0: think. What do you remember thinking or feeling?
2: Uh... Well, one of the things I remember that was really terrible about it was being in grade school and the teachers like in our homeroom they were really grilling me because we had to put our parents information down and I was getting confused like do I say it's what his last name is? Do I say my mom's last name? And then they said and then this I remember this teacher saying, "Well, are your parents married?" And then I'd, I'd say, uh, yeah, well, then why, which, what's your father's information? Is he dead? Well, no. Well, why is it different from your mother's information? Is your dad's last name Keitlinger? Uh, yeah. Well, where, where is he? What's his work number?
0: <laughs> All this. And then I remember. I just, so was there, did your mom have a husband? No. So you, but you took your dad's last name? No.
2: Um, I Oh is my mom's last name. I see. But on my birth certificate, it's uh, Glazer. It's his last name. Yeah. I see. So, um, lots of stomach aches. I would imagine. Oh yeah, yeah. And and that. And I remember. Uh, I mean, my stomach's getting tight. Just really, I was thinking. Hearing God, this, you're sweet. But I think my mouth is getting dry. Um, excuse me. Yeah, but I I just remember that all these kids were kind of looking around, and then I they I think they thought I was dumb. Like, how does anybody not know what their father's last name is or where he works or all that, you know? And so, I don't Mm -hmm. know. I finally got out of it. I think I told my mom and then she, you know, called the school and said, why would, you know, why Why would you you do that? Yeah. You know, it's none of your business.
0: So give me some snapshots from from your childhood that you think could paint a picture so our listeners we know you better. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, it's awful. Paul. You, saying snapshots makes me think of a Polaroid I found of my mother um, naked in a dentist chair.
0: <laughs> it, how's that can, is that a better can you think of a better snapshot we can wrap it up right there that's <laughs> that is got. i've gotten all i need i've gotten all i need that is so fantastic that we have a word for that uh awful it was awful at the time and yeah. yet it's awesome in yeah. in hindsight
2: and yeah. i was what happened was a uh, uh I was the editor of our, of the high school newspaper, and we all decided, which I think everybody did, uh, to bring our baby pictures in to say, guess who this is and this is. And then I found a Polaroid of my mother. Um, and actually, I actually, I think I had something about that, like trying to make light of it in the book, like just saying to my mother, um, do you recognize this person? Um, what, what's going on here? I was looking for a National Geographic and look what I found and all this. And, um, that must have been a really, uh, intense cleaning that you got that day. Uh, you know, and all this stuff. And my mom, my mom's really young. She had me at 19. Uh, and so, you know, she said, where did you find that? Where did you? and I said, uh, in the bureau, in the living room. You know, yeah. you didn't, did you try to hide it? And then, you know, this is so awful. Like how, how, uh, this is. I'll just say it, what the hell, you can edit it off, it's too profane, but years and years later, I brought my boyfriend home, uh, and my mom was married, That uh, my mom got um, married uh, when I was 30, so, um, for the first time, so she, um, but I was, brought my boyfriend home to where she and her husband lived in Ohio, and my boyfriend at the time was looking through a book on the nightstand, and another Polaroid of my mother falls out. Uh, Naked. Yeah. And so I, and my mom is petite and she's really pretty. Uh, and so uh, anyway, I grab her in her nightgown in the hallway and I say, Hey, is there a bookmark in this house without your twat on it? <laughs> Isn't that terrible? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my God, that is fantastic. And I think she,
2: and again, it was, you know, like, Where, where'd you find that? I said, in a book. What
0: are you keeping these for? Why are you keeping these? She would have made the worst librarian. <laughs> <I know. laughs> and just, you know, oh,
2: try, I guess she wasn't that good at hiding things. And I, I, I remember asking her back at the time when I found the other one, I said, why do you have it? Why did you keep it, a copy of it? And then she said, well, I didn't want him to have it.
0: (laughs) Then why not destroy it? I know. And
2: I thought, well, what is the point then that I should find (laughs) or give it to her grandkids? Maybe
0: she wanted to, you know, in her later years to be able to look back and appreciate (laughs) (laughs) what she looked like. I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of. Oh. That's a pretty telling snapshot. Give me some other ones.
2: Um. That's hard to beat, Paul, let's see, since it was yeah, the worst You worst literally you opened, you opened, literally. With, your, you opened okay. with your closer. I know, okay, let's see. Um, f- well, I, I'm just ha- f- you know feeling awkward. now everything it will seem so tame compared to that. just feeling really you know always felt really awkward in, in junior high also because I, w- I was very tall. Um, How tall are you?: I'm not that tall i'm five, I'm five nine
0: that's but, that's tall. Yeah, I
2: think That's it's tall. pretty tall. And
0: were you that tall in uh, junior high?
2: I, but I think I was 5'8 in, like, 10th grade, 9th or 10th grade, or 5'7. Yeah. And I just remember, you know, I, I wonder if they still do this in school, where they line you up in gym from shortest to tallest. Because I think, you know, everybody's so... Um, aware of their kids' feelings that they shouldn't do that. That seems discriminatory because I remember, I mean, it's horrible for the boys that are short.
0: Oh, I was 4'10 when I was 16. Oh, no. I was horrible.
2: Oh, jeez.
0: Yeah, but back to you.
2: Um, no, I, I have a... Uh, uh, my boyfriend now who's very tall. Well, he's like six, I think six, two. He, he was about, yeah, he, he was under five feet until like ninth or tenth grade. Yeah. And then he just, you know. It's Everyone not grew. fun. No, it's, it's awful. Not
0: fun. In fact, I was just thinking today um, how grateful I am that I finally had a, a growth spurt because I can viscerally remember how awful it it felt to feel so small and and weak. Yeah. Um,
2: that I remember thinking there were just there were twins that were taller than me. These two girls, and I thought, well, at least I'm not as tall <laughs> as the. Um, there were what were the well, Rondell or Mandel twins or something. I said, oh, at least I'm not... And the, then, of course, the very next year, I was, you know, af- I was after them in line, and I was the tallest. And I thought, man, this is the worst. But I remember having a, a nice realization, a, a, a way to use my height against my mother, because um, <laughs> she's 5'2". No, I guess she was 5'4", yeah. five, between 5'2". Five and we were in the basement you know, doing laundry. And I was 14 and drinking a lot. And I said, I'm going out to this party. And she said, no, you're not. And I said, yes, I am. She said, if you go, I know you'll just be drinking. And I said, and then I just realized, like, I was towering over her at that moment. And I said, well, what are you going to do about it? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, whoa, this is it. And my mom was really, my mom is really funny. And she said, I wish I would have hit you more when I could have.
0: (laughs) And did you go to the party? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And yeah, did I think you drink?
2: I did. Yeah. Well, you know, my mom, since it was just, since it was just the two of us, I would feel guilty if I was out too late. I would feel guilty that she was by herself.
0: It sounds like you guys were able to be um pretty honest with each other. We we're fr- yeah, good friends, yeah. Yeah. Do you ever feel like um you had to worry too much about her emotions though and and, and take care of her? Um not
2: really no uh i think we were we were both really ill equipped to take care of anything mm-hmm. you know including you know i think a lot of times when i talk about this they you know um or even you know with the therapist that they say that i i was my maybe more of my mom's mother sort of thing but i don't think it was that either i feel like we were both um you know Teenagers, mm-hmm. really. Like, we were both, you know, hadn't learned much of anything and were just, you know, flying by the seat of our pants or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just, um, I remember there was, um, my mom did uh, have a lot of boyfriends, you know, because she, you know, was single, but a, a lot of them were married men. And I remember this woman came to the door, uh, and I was probably about 12. I was watching TV, and my mom was out. And she can't. And the first thing I remember seeing was this woman's hands were shaking.
0: Oh my God!
2: Yeah, and I thought, what happened? I thought she was about to say that she, you know, hit a, a dog or some awful thing. And she was this tall woman with blonde hair, and I could see that her, you know, she looked tired. And um, she, I said hi, and she said hi, I, and she was shocked that I opened the door. I think she was prepared to. You know, do battle with my mother, and I opened the door, and she said, "Oh, oh, uh, hi, is, is, is your mom home?" And I said, "No," and she said, "Oh, well, oh, uh, will you uh, tell her that Madeline stopped by?" And so then my mom came home, and I knew the whole story. It's my mom was sleeping
0: with her husband. Your mom had told you that she was sleeping with her husband. Uh uh-huh. It isn't that fucked up though for yeah. somebody to tell their kid. Yeah. I, that, that that's what I was talking about when I was saying you know it sounds like you guys were able to communicate with oh, each right. other, but it sounds like there were no boundaries oh, like, gosh, like, no. Yeah. Uh, okay. no
2: well, I mean first of all, I mean we were just in a, each other's faces. We were in a small little house and and if she i know if she was had a guy come over guy. A, a, i mean she just never had sex while I was there or anything but but if a guy would come over you know for a drink or for dinner or what and I'd say I'd say, who's that ugly guy?" And she'd say, you know, it's just you know, he's giving us cable or, or just be nice, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think like a lot of these guys like helped us or helped her out. I see, or helped us out.
0: What What did you think or feel when your mom would say that? That you know, he's giving us cable or something like that.
2: I guess I thought, oh, I'd rather not have it, or I don't. It doesn't mean that much to me to have these. Little, you know.
0: Did you feel sorry for your mom in those in those moments?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I did. But then, you know, I was also pretty, you know, like a selfish, uh, you know, only kid, I think, too, because I would I would uh, use the fact that my dad never s- spent time with me. You know, he only came over to see her or whatever, or they, like, would, you know, take weekends away and stuff. And I'd say, well, it's nice that I have, you know, no father around and there's no, no father to care about. You know, I would say that to manipulate her and get things like, you know, well, I guess I can't afford to have, you know, a ski trip like everybody else's school, you know, and all this shit. But really, I remember being so thankful that it was just the two of us because I thought my dad was, you know, kind of a creep. And and I had friends who, you know, were at our house all the time because their parents didn't get along at all. Like our place was like the cool place to hang out and stuff.
0: Wow, that's so much to take in. That is so much to take in.
2: Mm.
0: There's there's a horrible seventies sitcom in there.
2: You are so funny, Paul. You know what? it well, we my friend Max and I tried to do it. Um uh, it's called Quick Shots of False Hope, which we, we sold it to HBO it was based on the book, you know, about a hot young mom and daughter. Um but yeah, we sold the pilot, but it didn't get picked up. So um, you know, it's still gonna. We're still gonna. I think when HBO releases it, we might try and get it to go somewhere else.
0: But yeah, I bet it's amazing though.
2: Well, we did a funny stuff. I mean, th- a lot of funny things. It's so happened
0: much uncharted to, yeah. territory yeah. with that topic. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the having a boundaryless mom is compelling drama, right? then you throw in the fact that it's a small town, and your dad lives across town, and you've got to keep this a secret. I mean, my God, there's five seasons right there. Right. One of the things I remember
2: was uh, I wanted – I mean, and I also – I was able to – when my mom and I would sneak around – I mean, not sneak around, but – I was really curious about my dad's kids and he never wanted to talk about them. And so, sometimes if my mom and I were out at the mall or she'd say, "Okay, there there they are. That's those are that's your brother and sister." And like she'd point them out. And I remember seeing my half sister from across the mall and she was gorgeous and and I thought, "Oh my god, she got everything. She had beautiful, she had Sort of long red hair, bright blue eyes, and big boobs. And I said, Jesus, she got everything I didn't get. You know, because I was, you know, tall and flat for, and having a really tough time. I was like, oh, that is so fucking unfair. And they've got all the money. And my brother, my half brother, was junior Mr. World before there was even. Stop it. I know. Stop it. Before wrestling was even a thing. Stop it. I know. And so when my dad died, we met each other. And the cool, the really cool thing was uh, my brother. My half-brother was really funny. And he said, you know, you're lucky you didn't have him around because he was, you know, a, a real asshole to me. Like, he said he was winning awards and his dad would say, when are you going to stop this bullshit that you're doing because you're short? And uh, when 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 will you, you know, get a job and start thinking about college and everything? Wow.
0: And what did you th- think or feel in that moment when...
2: Oh, I just thought, I said, you know, I... I had, had that
0: ever occurred to you that you weren't getting the short end of the stick?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, it never did. And and even like even like the sort of you know well, the double entendre of him being short and me being tall. And my mom used to say too, well, you know, your dad is really not happy that your brother's not growing at all, and you're already almost six feet. And I'd be like, he's not happy about it. Uh, <laughs> you know, what, it's just weird. Yeah. Anyway.
0: Well, you know, after I said that, I. I wish I would have phrased it differently because you did get the short end of the <laughs> stick. You just didn't maybe get the shortest end of the stick because you didn't have a dad. Right. Right. You didn't have a dad. Have you ever wondered how that has affected you?
2: Um, well, I hate men. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but you know, it's, is, a f- is there some truth to that? Oh, I might a little bit. I, I, Talk, I feel talk like about that. Some well, more. you know, I think it's interesting that just well another strange. There are a lot of strange parallels, but, that I didn't find out about my father until he died. And I remember one of the times when my mother and I were sneaking away to meet him for a weekend. It was in New York, and I was fifteen, and we were at the um, comedy cellar. And I did the, this just came to me about 15 years ago. I remembered what we were there. You know, I was excited. I was, you know, having tequila sunrises and we were out at night. And I thought it was so funny. And I figured they weren't noticing that I was actually having a, you know, an alcoholic beverage. And then my, I realized my father was about to go on stage. It was an open mic night. No. Can you stand this? And he didn't go. And I never thought of anything. I didn't even really know what we were there for. And I was kind of getting tipsy and having fun. Um, and years and years later, I realized, oh, he wanted to be a stand-up. And then I became, you know, he died before he knew what that I, you know, did it. But I just thought, that's really crazy. And, I mean, he was so, in his way, like, so kind of uh not just not really manipulative but whatever like everyone wound all of it, and I also have a sibling I have a sister um from his first marriage and we all wound up doing sort of what he wanted to do like I have one sister my half sister from his first marriage is brilliant she went to you know the Harvard school of government and um or Kennedy school I think it's called and just um and my other sister is an optometrist, my half-sister. My brother became a doctor, the one who worked out. Um, and then I became a comic. The, like All these sort of things that he would have wanted for himself
0: or us, we wound up doing, which is kind of strange. When you, when you would go for these weekends with your mom mm-hmm. to go meet him, mm-hmm. were you craving to get some time with him?
2: I think so. Yeah, I think I tried. Like, I sort of tried to
0: bond, but... Give me some moments of of that attempt, or do you not recall any?
2: Well, one of the things that always sort of... If we, you know, could make each other laugh, and and we did, I think, a little bit... uh, he wouldn't take any pictures of us, I mean, with us. Like, he would say, go, go ahead, go ahead. And I said, we, why don't we take a picture? And I, so there are no pictures of him, like, no evidence or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there are pictures, but he took pictures of my mom and I, you know, like, tourist pictures and stuff. But if I were to hug him and say, oh, mom, will you take a, a picture? You know, he would mm-hmm. say, no, we'll just take it of you. Or we'll just, you know. What did
0: that feel like?
2: It's terrible. Well, I mean, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. I just felt like, you know,
0: just uh, a literal rejection.
2: Yeah, and uh, that he was a strange, sort of like a stranger, and and I would just talk it over with my mom and, and say things like, "Can should I call? Can I call Harold Dad or should I call him Dad?" And she said, "No, I don't think so. I don't. Th- I mean, you can matter. You know." And then I was, I just sort of gave up. I think I gave up around the time I was twelve or thirteen. And then he said something really terrible to me the last time I saw him. Why wouldn't he? Yeah. (laughs) What did he say? Oh, I think I said this before, too, Paul, and I Mm -hmm. feel like I said this on a podcast. um, uh, We had snuck away to, um, uh, where were we, Um, Puerto Rico for New Year's Eve, Um, and... He was having like a, a heart-to-heart because I was sixteen, about to go to college, and and he said, you know, okay, I think. He, and I was thinking, he's finally being sweet to me. He said, all right, I know you need a car. We'll get you a car. It won't be a good one, but it will, you know, but we'll get you a car. And I was like, okay, thanks, thanks. And what, you know, and asked me what I, I would never ever tell him I wanted to be, you know, a performer or anything or. Commu- I said, well, I think I'd like to write for a newspaper because I'm the editor, um, and. You know, or maybe be a broadcast journalist, or maybe you know. And then he said, "Well, you know, you're not very smart, and you're not very attractive, but I think you'll do okay because you have a lot of ambition." And so every therapist I've gone to said, "Well, no wonder you never feel like you look good, or your hair is right, or your you know, or your you know, because that no one could have said a worse thing at a worse time, you know, to a girl because, you know, I guess especially you're looking for some sort of uh just confirmation, I guess, from your father that you're an attractive, per- you know, whatever.
0: I have these moments sometime on the podcast when I think I've heard everything that's just a gut punch. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is one of the worst, not only gut punches, but series of gut punches mm-hmm. that, that that I've heard. I'm so sorry. that Oh, that you're you- sweet.
2: Thank you. Yeah. No, I know. I mean, I feel like I've talked about it enough. I mean, it doesn't, it, it, I do feel you know better about it. I realize how bad it was. You know, I've, i had you know therapy, um, but another thing with my mom that I thought was so funny. My dad died shortly after that, and but I stopped talking to him. You know, at that point, and my mom would say, and "My dad, I guess, was so checked out. Like, according to my mother, when they like had seen each other a couple times, and I, you know, I just wouldn't be around when he came over." And she said, "You know." Your dad is really upset. He doesn't know why you don't want to talk to him anymore. And I said, why do you think? And my mom said, Oh, uh, I know. I think he's an asshole. I know why you don't want to. I'm just saying he feels bad. I think he doesn't realize how awful that was. And I said, okay. Anyway, but so he died. And, um, uh, when I found out my, my, my mom and I were talking and I said, Well, you know what? I knew he'd find a way to get out of getting me a car. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You are awesome. You
1: are awesome.
2: But in a way, geez, Paul, you know what? I have to thank my mom for being so strong and funny and being on my side. I often think, you know, what if she was so delusional that she thought, well, can't you be nice to him because he's helping us out? Or that, you know, she always thought it was a raw deal and that he was a creep. And so she tried to you know, fill in whatever questions I had and,
0: you know. uh. So her still having contact with your dad, even though he was treating both of you badly Mm -hmm. other than the financial stuff. Mm -hmm. um, Did you ever, was your mom's interest in it purely financial or did she still have feelings for him? I'm wondering why she would keep exposing her daughter to somebody who was so mean. Um she did have feelings for him. I mean, we will still argue
2: about it to this day about things. Um and she'd say, "Oh, he wasn't that bad." And she said, "Well, you know, he was he you know, he took her virginity basically." I mean, he, it's their relationship started in deceit. He told her she couldn't get pregnant
0: on the first try. Have <laughs> you ever have you ever felt rage towards either of them? uh not really i've
2: had you know i've had sessions in therapy and he's and I, I even you know i've i i have a friend who has like a second sight and you know so i sort of believe that 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 people do have it you know um i've you know gone to psychics and uh and a few times, because I live near a psychic community. Have you ever heard of Mm-hmm. Well, my mom and I went there. And a few times, they said, well, your dad is here. He's a presence. He wants you to know he's sorry or whatever. And I always think, well, if there is that, if there's is there such a thing, a spiritual life or an after, um, I want him to know it's I, I, it's way too late. I couldn't care less. He's an asshole. I mean, like... For whatever reason, the not forgiving, the grudge or something, helps me hold on to something, I guess.
0: Has anybody ever tried to tell you to forgive him? Yeah. That pisses me off when Uh, people do that. Yeah. I just want to slap them. It's like, you know what? If forgiveness comes, great. Mm -hmm. But I can't stand when people tell you you're supposed to forgive this person. Like it's a switch you can just flip on.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I, I imagine he had a, you know, and then of course as well, his parents were probably terrible to him. It's um, not
0: an excuse, yeah, but I, yeah. I know I'm talking to the, somebody that feels exactly the same way right. I do. I'm more so talking to the listener. Yeah. Um, God, that is. So how do you, with all of those damaging things that have happened to you, how do you how do you cope? How did you do you numb yourself in some way? Do you distract yourself with work or addictions or um how, how did you cope? I mean obviously humor is right. is one way, but well I think you know
2: I was re- I was depressed, really depressed after he died. And for another, you know, for an awful reason, really. I felt like it was the final kind of a stab. He didn't uh, leave my mother in the will or me. And the craziest thing in that was his first wife, who became a lawyer, she was able to track us all down so we could meet, because in the will it listed people's names, that, you know, and then listed my name, and it said Laura Keitlinger, and they thought that I was his a mistress, um, <laughs> it's wow. just so crazy because I couldn't it, not her name, but they they found you know sure. found you know his kids and so Carol was from the first marriage and then Renee and Gary f- from the second one where he met my mother and then had me so they just listed his children basically and is
0: that when his, his other children found out about you
2: yes yeah and I met uh, so I met the daughter from the first marriage and the son and daughter from the second
0: and do you get along with them
2: yeah and we did. We actually got along really well. I mean, it was really difficult not growing up with them, but I used to write to my brother all the time. And I lived in New York for a while, and I saw my sister uh, quite a bit. And then, um, you know, we just sort of really drifted apart, like, I I think, I mean, because I was, you know, in my 20s and really sort of you know just sorting things out then i moved to la and then back to new york and we all sort of i think it was easier to not keep in touch basically Hmm. and the my half sister from the second marriage was the most devastated by his betrayal i think because of all of us she was the one that was closest to him and uh, according to my mom which that she didn't understand why her mom was so mean to him or so kind of dismissive mm. but her mom also knew apparently her mom knew when I was four
0: that you know. Boy did he leave some wreckage. Yeah. Holy shit. So what as you recount all of that stuff mm-hmm. do you feel anything?
2: Um, I feel like I mean, I definitely feel sad for myself as a teenager or whatever. I feel sad for myself as a kid, sort of. But I don't... um, I don't know. I think... Again, like, I, I didn't ever think that my childhood was bad because I was so close to my mother. And I feel like there was a lot of freedom just because it was the two of us. Um and i knew firsthand i stayed with my cousins a lot and my my mom's sister and her husband were you know terrible they he was an alcoholic and my cousins had a really hard time because their father was an alcoholic and i hated staying there so i guess like i i was able to see like oh thank god i can come home to my mom and it's just us and it's relaxing and you know but
0: i had yet there was also terrible emotional neglect yeah. from from your mom but i think a lot of kids don't you don't notice the absence of something you don't know they notice the absence of structure Uh and boundaries and all those other things it's your normal
2: right right
0: yeah um talk about your depression when did that come about How, how many times do you think in your life you've thought about suicide
2: um Well, I think in distinct you know in real uh maybe like probably maybe 10 or 15 times?
0: Are you are you talking about just imagining it or like making a plan? Uh imagining it. Oh, okay. That that seems pretty low for yeah, somebody maybe who's I, been through the shit that you've been through. Uh, I, mine would be around 4 or 5,000.
2: Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Never made a plan, but in terms of It would be easier if I wasn't alive. Oh, yeah, in the thousands.
2: Wow. I guess that would be... I'd probably be more, I guess, in the the hundreds at least, probably, because I think when I was 17... Oh, gosh, you know, I got so sidetracked. I don't know if I said that he didn't leave us any money in the will, and that really depressed me, too, because then I didn't have money to go to school, and Mm -hmm. he was possibly about to help with that. So, But I had, you know... Um, some scholarships and work study stuff and whatever. So I, I was okay. But, um, yeah. So then I, I was really want thought about killing myself then. And then in my twenties, uh, that was college and I had a blast. I really had a great time. And then I think, uh, again, uh, that must I have, got, well, that sorry. must have
0: just felt like incredible freedom getting oh, out it of that. That was incredible.
2: Hole. Yeah just being away from, you know, that whole town was amazing. So at around, probably my mid-20s, I finally, um I started Lexapro, I, you know, got on an mm-hmm. antidepressant. I don't know if it was the right one, but I started seeing a therapist. And uh then I, yeah, I felt much better. Like, I felt like I could get out of bed and, you know. And function. I feel like I slept a lot. I s- sometimes still do, but yeah.
0: Well, I often feel like my bed. Nobody understands me like my bed. Mm-hmm. My bed, ne- <laughs> my bed. They're like my dogs. They never disappoint me.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, actually, they're better than my dogs because my bed never inconveniences me. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I gosh, I feel like that. My, that I feel that, that a connection with my bed too. Like it became, you know, it, it's become. A treat like after something, like, you know, if you were, t- you know, taking out for ice cream or whatever when you're a kid. And that's how I feel. Like if I can get back to bed for 20, that's like the treat I give myself. Yeah. For, I don't know. Um.
0: So your depression hasn't been as bad since you started taking uh, the meds in your 20s? Mm-hmm. Well, that's good.
2: Yeah. What other
0: issues do you do you struggle with, or any seminal moments from your life that you want to share with us?
2: Um,
0: and they could be life affirming and awesome, and you know, an epiphany. Those mm-hmm. are good too.
2: Uh, will you give me an example of an, a life affirming moment for yourself? Um,
0: well for me um and maybe I'm just thinking of this one because uh he just died but there was a um an acting teacher in my theater and drama department in college who was very uh did not smile a lot um but everybody kind of worshiped this guy mm-hmm. and he was he was just he, everybody wanted this guy to notice them Mm -hmm. and one time i was in a doing a scene study class with him and we were both getting a drink of water uh during the break and he just looked at me and he said you know if you want to be an actor i think you can be an actor Uh and it just i'd never had anybody maybe i had had people say things that meant Uh that much to me but Uh it um because my parents, my parents would would compliment me, but coming from this guy, because yeah. I really worshipped him, that was um, that was pretty profound. That was pretty profound.
2: That, yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, I I had a moment like that, I guess, um, when I was doing stand up in Boston. Uh, I was still in college, and I, I guess I was probably twenty two and just starting out and writing all the time, and it's, my stuff was. Not, you know, not great by any means, but, I, you know, it really meant a lot to me. Um, and after I got off stage, I was, wa- I'd heard, everybody had heard about Bill Hicks. I was
0: walking toward the bar. Bill dying, you mean? Oh, no, just, no, back then. Um, oh, what a great still around he was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he, in, in yeah. Amazing. The Lenny Bruce of our generation. Oh, gosh, yeah.
2: And um, so what? When, so when I started doing stand, like 88 or 89, I don't know what. Um... You know, one of the first time, I don't count that I start, I don't say that I started doing stand up usually like till 92 because that was the first time I ever had like 10 minutes to go on stage. But anyway, I was there and it was kind of this magical moment. I think it was Stitches. I can't remember, where it was, but I walked off stage, walked to the, started going to the bar and I looked over at him and he said, Hey, I really like that joke about, and I remember what joke it was. I used to do this joke where I said, you know, uh, people are being killed for their, you know, people here, you know, because it's winter, people are being killed for their coats, and I don't think that's right. I think if you're going to kill someone for their coat, you should eat them too. Um, <laughs> which is like a simple, not that great, yeah. but the fact that he liked it, it was, it was really funny, it was a good joke, and I just thought, okay, that's it.
0: I've made it. Yeah. Yeah. He was amazing. I know. I so wish he was... He was around today, so Me we could hear too. what he has to say. If you guys have never uh, heard of Bill Hicks, uh, Google him. There's a lot of videos, and there's uh, a great documentary on him called An American Something. Just t- type in Bill oh, Hicks, American yeah. uh, American Something. It's a great okay. documentary about, uh, about him.
2: I, I still have one of his CDs in my car, and I think, gosh, what is it called? Has one word? Oh, boy, I can't remember anything. Reckless? Oh uh, no. Relentless? I don't know.
0: That sounds familiar. Yeah,
2: but that that's that to me is just quality, you know, material. I find th- I find that a lot of just the HBO specials and or, or just comedy specials in general, they don't seem to be about material material anymore. It's kind of just you know, kind of a something that you give a famous person. And I think a lot of a lot of these hour show, you know, specials are sort of thin at about the forty minute mark. Mm-hmm. But back then, you know, in the early nineties and stuff, it was a big deal to get a special.
0: It was huge, and you had to have huge. a lot of material. So, what other than the depression? What are? Um, I, I I would imagine that from the things that your dad said, um, you must struggle with body image and feeling confident mm-hmm. um talk about that
2: uh well i went through um my friends teased me about this too but well uh you know i'm vain anyway but i went through this period where i kept getting um i, I would get a facial like every other week and i'd get peels i'm like I, you
0: mean a guy jacking off on your face
2: no <laughs> <laughs> you said that so seriously i was like huh? i had to
0: disguise it that's, isn't that what a facial is? When, no. That, no, no, no. No, you no,
2: dirty thing. No, that, I am talking about I, not feeling attractive and feeling, you know, ugly, and I am, you know, <laughs> pouring my heart out to Paul Gilmartin, and he says, oh, yeah, you mean jacking off on your face? No, I mean a facial, because you want to, no, you know, bad, make sure your it's... skin's clear and smooth, so you sort of look pretty, so you kind of have some color, whatever. Ah. <laughs> oh. Good God! I am so editing that out. No, you are not, Paul. I'm going to listen for it.
0: <laughs> I try to throw in dark jokes, and so sometimes funny. they backfire. No, it is really that funny. Might I might have keep been. It in, no, but it's perfect. But you know what the joke that I was making because that's called a facial.
2: I, you know, I, I'm a little checked out about some stuff that I. That almost seems like too that nice of a thing. I to believe be called that's that. what it's called—is oh. a facial. Jeez! Yeah. Now I can't even enjoy a facial anymore. <laughs> oh,
0: I hate myself so much right <laughs> no. now. <laughs> I think
2: that's perfect. Oh god! No, but um, or you know, or just and that I and I kept d- dyeing my hair different colors and thinking, do I am I kind of to look better this way? And then you know, I think just the anger sort of manifested itself. Possibly, I had really bad tmj i had jaw surgery uh you know grinding my teeth at night and i had to get they actually took my jaw upper and lower off what yeah and then put it back on and that's the worst pain that i i mean i remember being in the hospital with a morphine drip stopped uh i thought oh i hope there's something like anything i could kill myself with because this is unbelievable and it was sort of funny. I think it's okay to say I was dating um Jack Black at the time. And he You guys wa- were together for a long time, yeah, right? For like eight seven years. years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was an angel. He was there constantly, you know, seeing how I was and everything. But the funny thing was, I remember I was um asking the nurses who I, I felt like were temps because they couldn't give a shit. They were never around, the night nurses or whatever. And Jack was just leaving Um, And he had asked somebody on the way out, she said, I think she's going to need some morphine a little bit. And they're like, okay, okay. And then, like, I I was almost completely out. And I was trying to, I was buzzing them, buzzing them, buzzing them. And I think my buzzer was broke or whatever. And then I could hear these girls saying... Oh, my God, that's shallow hell. That's shallow hell. And that's all I could hear. Like I, and I was like, this is a nightmare. I can't, I can't get anybody to come in and give me more morphine because they're starstruck. And I'm like, oh, I, you know, I'm losing my mind. Um, oh. But anyway.
1: Oh,
0: my God.
2: But, yeah, what does that have to do with anything? You're a good therapist. I think I'm, now I've like said too much. I've been talking nonstop. stop
0: I'm still beating myself up about the facial. Oh, no, that's I'm,
2: fine. Uh, but I think that's really. I thought they were those sorts of things. The names were more disgusting than that. But yeah, I um, guess no, that makes sense.
0: Facial, yeah. yeah. Um, so you started to talk about. Uh, we were talking about body image, and you said you used to get, oh, yeah. get yourself uh, facials.
2: Um. Or yeah, I, I mean, and it was funny because I had the, uh, another friend who, who was the same. We we're both getting crazy about our skin, like obsessive and we said we're going to keep going till we get to the dermis because she would say oh there's this great peel and and this uh, and and uh we were laughing cuz one day we both our faces were like raspberries we they were just just bright red and peeling and um i remember saying to her in the uh in the little kitchenette area of the writers room i said what did your dad say to you that was awful <laughs> Oh. and it was kind of funny. She said, "Oh, well, you know what? It was my mother. She said I wasn't very ladylike or feminine or whatever." And and this uh, woman was a, a a really an amazing athlete when she was a kid. Yeah, and and I said, "Wow." Hmm.
0: I went mountain climbing one time, and I came back, and my wife posted the the pictures of me on the summit. And, uh, and one of my friends looked at the pictures and he said, and when Paul got to the summit, did his dad hug him? <laughs> oh,
2: oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's sweet. <laughs>
0: wow. Mm-hmm. So what? what um, give, us, give us examples of the negative chatter in your head about yourself in your life.
2: Uh, well, I guess it's always been, oh, what am I, do-? you know, I shouldn't be doing this. I should be doing something else. So my mom, up until recently, would say, you know, what are you going to do? You, you, how, how will you save money? If you, you know, I don't know how you can do it. You don't know if you're going to be working or what. Um, uh, and she'd say, what, what's your, I mean, what's your fallback plan? And so lately I've been saying it's death. <laughs> I should have been saying that all along. Because really I have no skills. What is my? I have no skill. So it's always you know there is no fallback plan. <laughs> so.
0: I think about that sometimes and I go what what, did, what would I do? I would be if if podcasting didn't exist, I have no idea what I would be doing cuz I cannot Can you stomach doing stand up anymore going on the road and doing stand up?
2: Not on the road but God. Doing
0: little local gigs. Paul, I have is fun. been.
2: I've been doing it. And I find, you know, it's kind of cyclical. I mean, there are times, you know, I quit for six years and then started again, which is great because, you know, being a, a 20 year old, you know, as I am, no, you know, I mean, I started <laughs> and stopped and started and stopped and trying to get back in now is a fight, sort of like I want to do an hour special. And, and I think, gosh, would anybody take this as a pitch? I have material. I For four years, I have been writing new stuff, so I have an hour. And so, uh, and I think I am, I, I'm hoping to hear back soon from uh, a few places. But the thing is, I enjoy it again because I stopped for a while and I have new stuff, but I could never go on the road. And I couldn't, even when I started, I never did well on the road. Did you? Go, were you ever on the road for any oh period my of time?
0: Oh, God, yeah. And yeah. I,
2: you know, I don't think a it tongue. helps material because you wind up
0: pandering: do, yeah to survive
2: yeah.
1: yeah to
0: survive, and then you f- feel like a dirt bag because you <laughs> you know did the material that you don't really like mm-hmm. just to entertain yeah sexually stunted people who are drunk at midnight, right um, What was I going to ask you? talked about the negative talk was there was there more negative talk that
2: other than just feeling like i haven't gone far enough in you know or done enough you know career-wise or i'm not successful that's been that's been sort of the running thing anyway
0: Mm -hmm. uh but do you think anybody ever feels like oh i nailed it I'm good. God, I hope they do. You seem like you have an incredible work ethic, though, even when you're depressed.
2: Well, I do try. I mean, I try to keep, I, I, what I, I guess my motto is to keep throwing shit against the wall. It's all, you know, like with pilots and stuff. I do write all the time to try and get something going. So.
0: That's pretty admirable because I look at people that can work their way, um, generate you know, be their own boss and generate things when they're depressed. Uh, I always look at them like uh, it's a comet. Like, how does that, how does that happen?
2: What do you do when you're depressed?
0: Nothing. I mean, I do the podcast Mm -hmm. because it's a, I have to do it. Mm -hmm. I also enjoy doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a, there are things that are negotiable. And things that aren't nego- negotiable when right. I'm depressed. Doing the podcast is not negotiable. Mm-hmm. It, it will it will get done.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Almost everything else is negotiable. Opening my mail, cleaning up the backyard, you know, uh, non-negotiable thing, taking out the garbage, taking the dog to the vet, <laughs> right. you know, going out to dinner with my wife, mm-hmm. sometimes when I don't feel like going outside the house. Um, so, you, I'm sorry, yeah. did your
2: wife say, oh, okay, does she try to get you back on track, or say, "Okay, I know Paul will be sleeping most of today"? Or, or she's how?
0: very compassionate about mm-hmm. my depression, um, but sometimes she'll also hit a wall and say, "You know, I'm I'm really um, kind of feeling alone here," mm-hmm. and I'll try to bring my A game a little more because mm-hmm. it's you you know it's hard to know am I just being a procrastinator and, and am i just using my depression or as an ex, as an excuse or is my depression really got me paralyzed right do you ex, well i should ask do you experience that
2: Uh uh-huh. I, I mean actually today i went uh to see i thought maybe something was wrong with my thyroid uh mm. and it isn't and then i was almost depressed about that, that I, it wasn't cause, yeah because i thought i have no energy and you know, I've always had a low grade sort of depression and error just with me all the time kind of depression. And, but lately, uh, I've really, I've had so little energy and I, and I am just like thinking I'm in a slump and I think, I mean, it's exactly what you said. I think it's, oh, because I don't want to finish this book because what's the difference? And everybody writes books and, you know, who cares? And, uh, you know, it doesn't, matter even though i feel like it's it keeps my brain alive to write i really enjoy writing but i think and
0: you're a great writer oh
2: gosh thank you i i do Was that uncomfortable no no thank you that's sweet okay. i
0: and well, i hope you uh, realize what a reputation you have in the comedy community uh, before we ever met i heard your name a hundred times oh. of people talking about how much you influence them how much they, they would quote jokes of yours and talk about coming up. You know, at the same time with you and performing with you. And, uh, I, I don't know if you know that, but you're, you're very well regarded in the, in the comedy community. That is
2: so kind. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. That's nice to know.
0: They hate the rest of you.
2: No, you know what I think is so funny, Paul? It's like, <laughs> they think you're ugly, but, and not very smart, but you're highly, no, you know, um, what, and, and
0: for the listener, uh, that has never seen a picture of Laura, she's lovely. She's tall. Oh, that's and lovely. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because you're here.
2: Uh, there's one thing that I thought was so funny. I remember being at the improv and there was this, it was, um, it was a young guy. I thought, Oh, damn. I don't remember if it was, I think it was a young guy. Maybe it was a, a young woman. Uh, but she said, you know, you've been a big influence on I me. Mean, do you mind, do, would you watch my set? I, I can't mm-hmm. believe you you know, and I said, sure, you know, that, you know, I, that's nice. And everything was the filthiest thing you've ever heard. <laughs> and impre- impressions. And I, and I thought, you know, don't, don't give me credit for that, please. <laughs> like, just, you know, like when you're, you know, oh, it's just awful. Like when you shit and you come at the same time. And I was like, oh my, oh my God, that, that, I, you know, <laughs> that's sort of the sort of thing I, you know, I, you know, I don't really like shock humor or, or that's all, you know. Scatological it, what, and, and stuff. Plus, you know? Your
0: your stuff is dark, but there's a point underneath. Thank it. Thank you. There's I think thought. so. I try. There's an yeah. original thought underneath there. The wrapping may be in something that's very dark, but there's like a human pain
2: yeah.
0: under underneath yeah. it, and uh, that's one of the reasons why I thought you'd be a a, a great guest because uh, there's there's um, there's a vulnerability there and. When you talk about your personal mm-hmm. stuff in your and your jokes,
2: you know paul i'm glad well thank you for saying that. I am glad you know, so, you know when people say oh uh do you talk back to the honor or, when someone heckles you do you uh you know leap back at them do you get back at them and i I've always Um, and that might be because I feel vulnerable I would never do that no matter what I don't think I could really have you ever had that happen where somebody or you see a comic on stage and they just obliterate someone like just you know just go for you know their jugular and I think what on earth are you doing that for I mean it's just so unnecessary and I just I think that has nothing to do with the person or you know in the audience or anything Mm. that's not having therapy, not, you know.
0: I, when I was first starting out, because I didn't feel like I owned the stage mm-hmm. and I wasn't really comfortable, um, I would come with all barrels. Oh, yeah. You know, and then after doing it a couple of years, I would not do it as intensely. And by the time i have been doing comedy for maybe 10 years, I would find it amusing. Yeah. I would find it amusing and I would kind of gently make fun of the situation. Uh Like I remember this one night I was performing this very drunk woman said, you have a pug nose and a fat face. And I just started laughing (laughs) because I said, what makes you think, A that that's an appropriate thing to yeah. say out loud and b that i don't already know
1: that
2: if you know what paul gilmartin looks like by yeah. the way listeners he's very handsome he has a perfectly yeah. cute no i wouldn't yeah. say pug nose at <clears> all. <throat> all what is a pug nose up
0: it's like my nose no, no it's, it's not. just it's uh it's small and kind of uh chubby it's, i'm okay, no, it's a, I'm okay, okay with, with, anyway, with how honestly, i look but um that just that, but that was true. one where if if it had been 5 years earlier right. uh-huh. um I would have probably gotten you know super mean right. and super personal
2: but and, it's also yeah. not true yeah. so I mean it isn't but like, it made me laugh says, okay, it, it made me yeah. laugh because yeah.
0: it was just so ridiculous right um,
2: I love being where you are where you're at though I know finally know that feeling and it's worth continuing to do stand up for that the oh I I'm not you know, I'm not threatened. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not threatened. I'm not, you're not attacking me. You, this isn't spiteful. It's just, everyone's a little drunk and, yeah. and you know, you can handle it. Yeah. But yeah, I know. Cause I would have felt, oh, yeah.
0: And I remember what she did. She said, I'm sorry. I did it. I've been doing shots of 151." And I said, well, that's not an excuse. <laughs> and I think I was still drinking back then. And, uh-huh. and so I said, uh, can I get a shot of 151? <laughs> and so I did a shot and I looked at her and I said, you're a cunt. <laughs> oh, That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and the audience, it was like a, you know, the audience got their, I don't know, whatever no, it was. Because the, they wanted to see, they yeah. wanted to see some type of uh, comeback or whatever. But
2: That's fantastic. Hmm.
0: So what, what are, what are some other issues that, that you struggle with or negative self-talk or moments in your life that, you think help the listener understand who you are more or me uh, or me. What are your darkest thoughts? Um, that you're comfortable sharing. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, well, I, I think, and of course this would never happen, but I would love it if there were, if there was a spay and neuter, uh, truck for people and their pets. <laughs> that like, is fantastic. To me, what... I mean, to me, that's such... That would be a civilized, a uh, helpful... You know.
0: I... Having done this show and reading the surveys, there are surveys on the website that people take anonymously and share mm-hmm. their deepest, darkest secrets, things they've done, had done to them, and hearing the things that happened to people when they were children
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I mean for instance what the things that your dad said to you, the way he treated you Mm -hmm. Um, I'm always thinking that same thought to myself is how is this how is this allowed to happen? Mm -hmm. That people like that can breed but Right. Who who is to say who can breed and who can't? Yeah. You want to you want to uh trade some fears? Sure. Give me a fear. Um I feel like
2: uh I I one of my big fears is not um uh, being able to save enough money to um uh buy a, a place for my mother because I'm you know kind of struggling with getting a down payment on my house and all this stuff. So my fear is not being able to save enough money because I really would, my mom keeps hinting about coming out here and I want to be able to buy her a house because there's no way in hell she's going to live with me. I'll lose my mind. So um, that's, I don't know, it just takes me a long time to have chunks of money. I'm just not good with money. So that's a big fear.
0: That that must be a tremendous amount of pressure to feel that, to feel that you're responsible for your... For your mom,
2: yeah. I mean, I guess that's also. I mean, another thing that I've tied up in my own head with success, like, oh, if I can't even, you know, and or, and I was telling my boyfriend, I said, either that or I have to have enough money that we could both be in the same assisted living center, and that it's nice. <laughs> 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 we're both, you know, close to the same age. Uh, but yeah, but no, that's that's it, really. I mean, money, and that's something. Did you? I, I wanted to ask you that when you were a kid. Did your parents sort of let you know in one way or another, like, well, you know, we can't afford to do the, you know, to ha- for for you to have the things you want for this or that, and you've got to start working, or
0: we we weren't uh, a very materialistic family, and mm. we were comfortable, uh-huh. um, and I don't remember. The things that I wanted weren't necessarily expensive things. They were dangerous things. Like oh. I wanted a motorcycle. I wanted a mini bike. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. So it, it was more that, um, we couldn't have them because they weren't, they weren't safe. Oh, okay. But I don't really ever remember. Uh, we were solidly middle class, between mm-hmm. middle class and upper, upper middle class. My dad was an insurance executive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in fact, I was just thinking today about this. He, he was vice president of a uh, an insurance company. Uh-huh. And I remember going to visit him in downtown Chicago. And as part of his pay package, he got a membership to the Union League Club. I don't know if you've ever heard, but it's, this, no. it's like that club in Trading Places where mm-hmm. those two guys oh, go with the big chairs beautiful. and it's all male. Uh-huh. And I remember we, my dad was giving me a tour of it. Uh-huh. And because it's all men... All the guys are swimming nude in the pool. So there's like these old guys with scrotums down to their knees. And I was just like, <laughs> oh. I am no longer jealous of my dad's membership to the Union League Club. <laughs> but I think my dad even, it wasn't something that he even really liked. It was, right. I think he kind of, he was, my dad was a very unpretentious uh, mm-hmm. person. Um, but we um, we didn't want really for Mm-hmm. essentials. Right. But was, your
2: dad drank, He said?
0: Yes. But he was, I didn't even know he was an alcoholic until I was leaving for college. And my mom said, you keep an eye on your drinking. It runs in the family. And I said, who? And she said, your father. He keeps vodka hidden around the house. And I had no idea.
2: Uh-huh. Did your brother know?
0: Did he know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'm sure she, I'm sure she told him. And is too. your brother older? Uh, one year older. Uh-huh. Yeah. I only saw my dad slur his words once when wow. I was like twenty three maybe once never saw him wobble wow never saw him passed out but he was definitely an alcoholic definitely um
2: father of the year
0: (laughs) you know (laughs) as far as alcoholics go yeah um his his thing was neglectful he just was checked out he wasn't interested Uh in our lives but he wasn't abusive he was just neglectful Mm. but um it was hard, you know, when he died, I felt like I should have been more sad, but we really didn't have moments mm-hmm. together. So it, it it was or maybe I was just so numb on mm-hmm. antidepressants that I sometimes wish that wasn't a, the the side effect of of some of my antidepressants. Is so that, you started my,
2: early with antidepressants, right? Uh like no. 2000. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. Um Back to uh, your fears. Any other fears? You want to do some loves?
2: Oh, let's do some loves.
0: I love um, when you eat a dessert and Mm -hmm. then there's just perfectly placed sea salt in it and you get that fantastic blend of sweet and salty at the same time.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I like watching um old movies and the Andy Griffith show in bed with my boyfriend and we eat in bed.
0: Oh that sounds awesome. Yeah. You know,
2: like, you know. I'm just whatever kind of trashy thing, we'll just sit there. <laughs> I, you know, there was a while we were really into the Nick and I said, Man, and you know, it, have you seen the Nick? No, what is it? Oh, it's an amazing it's an amazing series. It's um it's on Cinemax, and it's about, uh, it's an old hotel called the Knickerbocker that became a hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the, I guess, 1890s is when it started, or the or like 1900, and it was everything that they were, you know, all these operations that they were doing in, in a theater, and they didn't really know what they were doing. You know, mm-hmm. they were just taking it, you know, this Learning early, early fermentation. and I was laughing because I thought, you know, it was you know, kind of bloody, and and then I said, <clears throat> "Excuse me, I said, what is wrong with us? We're sitting here eating spaghetti, <laughs> and there were brains and blood everywhere. Does anything affect us? Because, you know,
0: I knew I would probably be a lifelong carnivore." When in the middle of reading uh, Sinclair Lewis's book, The Jungle, Mm -hmm. I got up and made myself a pulled pork sandwich.
2: Oh,
0: Have you ever read The Jungle? No.
2: And I'm a vegetarian.
0: Uh, It is the grimmest. It it was informed by him visiting the stockyards at the turn of the century in Chicago Mm -hmm. um, before there were any kinds of health controls and any kinds of... Lessening the barbarity uh, of it, and mm-hmm. this book is kind of um, an expose uh, on that. And right. It's horrifying,
2: oh. and yeah, but, that'd be tough. But that sounds like it's kind of around the time period of the Nick. Was it like the eighteen? Uh, it was the, the late eighteen hundreds, yeah, early nineteen hundreds. Yeah. yeah, right around that mm-hmm. time.
0: Um, I love on Sunday mornings uh, when my wife is already up, and I get up later than her, and she's sitting on the couch. Um, and I lay down and I put my head in her lap and she strokes my hair and Mm -hmm. my face. And, um, and maybe Herbert, our littlest dog squeezes in behind my legs. And, um, just that feeling of, it just feels safe. Mm -hmm. It just feels safe.
2: We, uh, have a, a Dachshund Chihuahua, and he got, he, when and I don't know why I think it's I mean to me it's funny, if my boyfriend Garrett and I are in bed and about to have a tender moment or a kiss, or he runs right in between us and actually gets his nose between both of us, <laughs> yes. between our mouths even, yeah. and I think that's about the best thing ever. I love I, it when he Ivy does do,
0: that. Ivy does that. Yeah, Ivy, she's,
2: what a great she, name.
0: Yeah, she's beautiful mm-hmm. and she knows it. <laughs> what kind she, of dog? She's part long-haired Dachshund, part uh, boxer, part Sheltie. Oh, so she looks like a like a fox. Uh-huh. Oh, how Like pretty. a tall fox. Uh huh. And um, she will just butt into anything. She's constantly <laughs> looking at herself in the mirror. Uh, any reflective circus uh, uh, surface has her nose prints all over it. Oh, uh, yeah. She, she's very jealous uh-huh. of anybody giving me any kind of attention. Oh,
2: uh, how? Yeah, that's great. yeah.
0: She's uh, she's a sweetie. Um, Let's do one more love each. Um, Is it my turn or your turn? I think it's my turn. Um, I love the feeling when it's really cold, California, cold, and really windy and Mm -hmm. raining outside. And you can hear the rain just beating down on the roof. And I'm in my pajamas, and I don't have anywhere else to go for the rest of the day or night. And Mm -hmm. I can just feel nested Mm -hmm. in my house
2: gosh i love that too i i i feel like the rain sort of revitalizes me in a way Mm -hmm. and i like to get i you know i think a lot of people out here are afraid of the rain but i don't i i get errands done and stuff in the rain because i just maybe because i you know grew up in upstate new york too it's Mm -hmm. raining and snowing all the time i just feel like i'm getting a jump on the day because nobody's going to do anything and I'm not afraid of it. And so I'll get stuff done. So that's a good idea. I just love the rain.
0: I never yeah. thought I, I love it too. Knowing that our, it's helping our drought yeah. and, and how green everything gets in LA after, after it rains and it smells different. It's like it washes all that, the smog out of the air and all of a sudden you can smell plants blooming. Yeah. And things like that. Yeah. yeah. It's nice. Um, your Twitter handle is King Kite Uh huh. Um, should, uh, do you want to give out a web? Oh, website? I have
2: a, a site. It's LauraKeitlinger.com, But I, I want I'd like to put that under my fear. Um, Paul, this friend of mine is uh, saying, are you ever going to get 10,000 uh, Twitter followers? And I said, no. And I feel like I've been on this since it started. I'm at like 8,700 or something. And so
1: I,
0: maybe
2: I, people I, will jump on.
1: I
0: they just, feel
2: sorry for me. What? I
0: just cracked it three weeks ago, maybe. That that, and I felt the same way. Yeah, I, I used to be like every comedian has fifteen, twenty thousand. What kind of a fucking loser am I? That's that I,
2: exactly how I feel.
0: Um, well, maybe we'll have a coming out party when you crack ten thousand.
2: Okay, okay.
0: But until then, you're dead to me.
2: I know. I really don't exist till I'm at ten. Um, Thank you so much. So King Keitlinger, and that's my dog, by the way.
0: King is your dog?
2: No, no. The, it's a picture of my, my dog on my Twitter thing. Oh, that's your... Uh, yeah, he's my Dachshund Chihuahua, and he's holding a Lexapro pen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he always takes is, my things. That is fantastic. Yeah. Laura, thank you so much. I'm so glad we finally got to, uh, to do this.
2: Me too. I'm glad that I uh, was able to see you, and you're so doggone funny are you are, will you be at the uh, improv again soon um
0: maybe i don't really book stuff if somebody asks me to be a part of something okay i go and do it but uh okay. yeah if you're ever putting a, a night together i'd love to uh oh, excellent love to come
2: good okay thanks thank you thanks
0: many many thanks to to laura uh and be sure to go follow her on twitter at king keitlinger in keitlinger is spelled k-i-g-h-t-l-i-n-g-e-r um yeah so much fun talking to her and i hope you enjoy that uh awkward moment where she didn't understand what a facial was uh and i hope uh we didn't talk about show business too much i always worry that um let's just leave it at that i always worry there's no need there's no need to even end that sentence i always worry uh before we take it out with a uh bunch of surveys i want to give some love to our sponsor harry's harry's has such great shaving products uh i don't know about you guys uh but i am done going to the drugstore to buy shaving supplies waiting for some guy to come grab a key and open the cabinet for what to pay twice as much for a razor blade that you could get ordering online i've tried harry's products and they're fantastic i got a nice smooth clean shave using their razors love their shaving cream super pepperminty i just wanted to i i actually for, for a second thought about squeezing some of it into into my mouth it smelled so good but uh to tell you more about harry's it's uh it's just high quality stuff they're uh german engineered five blade cartridges uh no cuts or burn quality guaranteed Full refund if you're not happy. Um, It's factory direct prices. There's no middleman. It ships right to your door. They sell their blades at half the price of the leading brand, and over a million guys have already made the switch, and thousands more switch every day. Why pay 32 bucks for an eight pack of blades when you can get them for half the price at Harrys.com? The Harrys starter set is a it's a great deal for just 15 bucks. You get a razor, moisturizing shave cream. That's the pepperminty stuff I was telling you about and three razor blades uh you know harry's doesn't like to discount because their prices are already pretty low but we've worked out a special offer uh, for you guys harry's will give you five dollars off your first order with promo code MentalPod. so stop overpaying for a great shave go to harrys.com right now that's h-a-r-r-y-s.com and enter code MentalPod at checkout uh what else did i want to share with you guys or something i oh you know somebody shared something at a, at a um one of my support groups and said i could i could share it with his his permission um he said the worst prison i've ever been in is worrying about what you think of me and i was like man that is that is profound and uh and i told him that and then i worried what he thought of me <laughs> oh, dumb joke dumb joke
1: Come here, surveys. This is oh. Before I read the surveys, there's a couple of different ways you could support the podcast if you feel so inclined. Go to our website metalpod.com. I don't. I. I think this might be the guy that. Uh, I, I think he might. Uh, he might be either he. He's the voice in between. Bad softcore pornos on Cinemax Or uh, I'm not sure what the other option would be But uh, Go to the website Mentalpod.com You can make a one time PayPal donation Or my favorite, become a monthly donor For as little as five bucks a month Ah, I know, he's a a midwestern DJ Harry and Cuckoo In the morning Gonna be down in the uh, Down at the Riverwalk uh, giving out floaty hats to the first uh, five hundred people that uh, like shitty radio. All right, back to uh, back to our website. Uh, oh my god, I can't keep it up. Go to our website. You can support us a couple of different ways. Paul, why do you what do you got to edge me out? Trying to break into the radio business. Thought you were my pal. Well, it's just it's a really it's a really phony way to talk, Paul. You're a phony. You're a total phony. You're not even mentally ill. You don't even have a drinking problem. Ah, trust me, I do. All right, whatever you say, Paul. Whew. This is, this is an awkward moment between the two of us. So, uh... Would you mind if I finished it, Paul? No, go ahead, you finish. You can become a monthly donor for as little as five bucks a month. Uh that's a uh, that's a cup of coffee in a fancy city it's a uh, it's a chili cheese dog uh it's uh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. what else have you got paul if they can buy t shirts or or coffee mugs uh they could uh um they could support us non financially by uh by going to iTunes and writing something nice about Paul the podcast giving him a good rating brings more people to the show increasing the value of the show Paul can then leverage that I don't like the word leverage that sounds really corporate alright Paul however you want to play this little uh, jilly jolly you got going what does jilly jolly mean I don't know I'm in radio can we wrap this up All righty, you're the boss Whatever you say Ace uh, so uh, you could also you could also help the podcast by spread the word through social media. Are you done? Donna Wow Let's get to some surveys
0: and please don't even bother emailing me, begging me to never do that character again because I'm on the same page as you. This
1: is, well, what do you gotta hate? Seriously, we're done.
0: Uh, This is a body shame survey filled out by a gender fluid uh, person. uh, They call themselves Sinistra and they write, I like my legs a lot, but I have a real problem with my torso. I'm gender fluid. So I receive and internalize the beauty standards of both men and women. This means that I usually can't figure out if my torso should be chiseled Like a buff man's, or thin and curvy like an idealized woman's. Either way, I fall short on both accounts. You know, one of the things I love about um, our listeners that um, uh, are trans or gender fluid um, or any non binary um, listeners that we have, be it gender or um, sexuality i love how much you help us understand what it is that you're going through in a million years i would have never um imagined that that would be an issue that a gender fluid person would would deal with and um i just love that you guys take the
1: time to uh to share that stuff with us they're letting you know do their personal lives paul buddy seriously give it a rest Uh, this is an awful moment
0: filled out by couch no seriously come on this is filled out by a guy who calls himself coach
1: knows best Herbert's butthole all right he's left this is
0: uh, this is an awful moment quite fitting Filled up by a guy. I almost feel like that, like that hacky ventriloquist that keeps telling the dummy to not be rude. It's really what I'm doing. Ah, oh, oh. And yet I'm having so much fun. I think that trumps it all. Really? Fun trumps, fun trumps stupid. So if you think this is stupid and you want to email me, I've changed my mind. I now think it's awesome because I'm having fun and I'm smiling. So go fuck yourself. It's been a while since I said that. Um, I was a little full of myself. Like somebody keeping track. Well, Paul, you actually haven't said go fuck yourself in nine episodes. Uh, God, get to it. All right. some moment filled out by a guy who calls himself Couch Knows Best. Um. I was training a new guy and got bored while he was finishing a task. We have a molten pot of solder on the desk. I was using a little scraper to clean the surface and noticed that little balls develop and skate across the surface when flux touches it. Uh, So I had the dumb idea to dip the scraper in a lot of the flux and put it in the solder, which as I now learned, causes the solder to explode. It hit my trainee on the neck, giving him severe burns. So not only did I get written up, but I'm the co-chair of the safety committee. (laughs) I hope your your co-worker's okay, though. But let's have a laugh at his expense. This was um, filled out by Dolores. And this is a struggle in a sentence survey. And uh, snapshot from her life. Uh, She has... um, borderline personality disorder and she writes i'm in dbt to help with my uh borderline personality disorder my diagnosis has been the best thing that ever happened to me for 29 years i knew there was something different about me the worst part was the constant feeling i had which i repeatedly complained of that quote it feels like i miss someone but can't actually think of who it is i now know that feeling to be the trademark emptiness associated with bpd i continue to have that feeling as well as other extreme emotions and moments of dissociation but now i understand what's happening and have a framework to deal with it i encourage anyone who is struggling with bpd or thinks they might have it or recognizes some of the traits in themselves to research dbt and see if it might be a fit for them thank you for sharing that dolores that's really important and um it's a really, uh, I say it all the time on the podcast, but it's a, um, I don't know if the word much maligned uh, would be, but it's certainly, um, it's a personality disorder that um, can be very high maintenance, create a lot of wreckage uh, and be misunderstood by by other people. Um, and there's a woman who's the leader in, um, a pioneer in helping people understand it. Her name is Marsha Linehan, and she's written written some great stuff about it, including um, a book uh, called uh, Dialectical Behavior Therapy. I'm not sure actually the technical name of the uh, book, but it's a way of expressing yourself and uh, to help you express your feelings and for loved ones to um, to help you communicate. Because I think one of the things that happens with people who have BPD is their emotions become so intense that um it affects the way in which they communicate to other people and then it destroys a lot of uh relationships um all right enough on that this is a shame and secret survey filled out by a guy who calls himself the frog he's straight he's in his 30s he was raised in a slightly dysfunctional environment Uh, He's never been sexually abused, but he has been physically and emotionally. He writes, My wife has hit me with a shoe in the neck, thrown things at me, and attacked me in the middle of the night. She stabbed me with a key several times and peed on the floor when she thought I was blocking her way. I was 20 feet away. I have never hit her back or defended myself. When I pulled out... Pulled out my phone camera to record what she is doing. She starts narrating that I am the one doing the thing she has done. She is totally in control of her actions and uses them to manipulate and control me. I tried to get out of the relationship, called the police one time, and got totally played by her and her lawyer. She convinced me she wanted to fix things. I'm not so sure now. Um, any positive experience? Experiences with the abuser. Yes, she is my wife. I love her. We have a child. I want her to get better for our son and for our marriage. We are seeing a therapist. Not much improvement yet. Darkest thoughts: that she decides to leave the country alone and never contact me again. Darkest secrets: I love sex with her. Um, s- uh, sexual san- fantasies most powerful to you. I want to be wanted. How does writing that uh, make you feel? Sad. What, if anything, would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to? You are crazy. I can't say it because it's true. I can't say it because it's true, but I won't be believed. She needs help, but is too high functioning to accept it, and she can't see how she hurts me or doesn't care. What, if anything, do you wish for? A happy, healthy, safe home uh, for my child. He doesn't deserve to be exposed to the dysfunction. It hurts me to know what he has experienced. Have you shared these things with others? Some. Uh, I am afraid to share. The things I shared went well, but it didn't change a thing. How do you feel after writing these things down? Tired. Anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences? Don't get married too soon. And sex isn't everything. Wow, that sounds really painful, um, for everyone involved. You know, it sounds like your your uh, your wife is just. Uh, A really, really sick person that needs help. And um I don't know, man. I I can't imagine. Just keep seeing that therapist. And um remember to look out for your own needs too. I know you got a kid involved, but that's some heavy shit. That is some heavy shit. Um And you know, my first thought as I started reading that was, boy, that's ironic after reading the thing about uh, borderline personality disorder because some people would read the description of your wife and say that sounds like undiagnosed, untreated borderline personality disorder but I'm not a therapist so uh, the fuck do I know? But, I did one time uh, make a souffle while uh... (laughs) trying to think of something I did one time make a souffle uh, to a film starring James Belushi. This is an awful moment filled out by Meggie. She writes, A couple of years ago I married my long-term boyfriend, a moment of happiness that caused me to literally pinch myself during the wedding because I couldn't believe someone would love me enough to marry me. At the same time, it was a difficult day because I was missing my big brother who had committed suicide a few years prior after returning home from Iraq. My mother had also posed a problem, acting drunk and causing fights during the reception, crying about how my brother should have been there. She finally left the reception early, to my relief, and her friends, who had accompanied her to the wedding, promised they would see her home one state over. Later that night, my husband and I drove back to our hotel and entered our honeymoon suite. Atop the counter was a bottle of champagne and a sealed card from my mother propped up on the bottle. Stupidly, I opened it shouldn't I have known better, and found a suicide note inside. I started to lose my mind and ran to my best friend's room where she, her husband and my brand new husband called my mother repeatedly while I sobbed in my wedding dress on the hotel room floor. After many attempts, my mother picked up the phone and pretended like she didn't understand why my husband was upset he threw the phone across the room and put the letter back into the envelope and as he was doing so, out fell a Ben and Jerry's gift card with a note that said, because you wouldn't let me give you a gift. Wow. Some shit you cannot make up is in a sentence filled out by fuck bunny librarian and she writes about her depression uh dysthymia at the center of me is an abused bloody dog who was curled up to die but all anyone can see is the flowering bushes i'm hiding in about her add adhd if i stop adding new projects then i'll have to face the fact that i haven't finished the last 50. <laughs> oh man man that is deep and so true that i i relate exactly to that if you take away the starting new projects or did the other 50 that's not true i've i've my house is a crime scene of unfinished projects um about her ptsd feeling happy is scary because it means any second someone's going to hurt me snapshot from her life Oh, this is dark. Standing in a store during the holidays and hearing the 12 days of Christmas come on the overhead speakers, and all I can think about is how my mother's, quote, true love gave her a bullet to the forehead on the 12th day of Christmas. Wow. Thank you for sharing that stuff. That, um, phew. She writes, Come to Seattle so I can hug you and take you to coffee. I would love that. Um, This is a shame and secret survey. This is filled out by a woman who calls herself, I'm not a princess. I don't need you to save me. Um, Let's see. She's in her 20s. She's straight. She was raised in a stable and safe environment. Um, Ever been the victim of sexual abuse? Some stuff happened, but I don't know if it counts. Uh, She doesn't specify. Not sure if she's ever been physically or emotionally abused. Darkest thoughts? I have extensively studied the most effective suicide methods darkest secrets i logically know my brother sexually abused me from 9 to 12 but i feel like it's not really sexual abuse because i almost enjoyed it sometimes i've never told anyone that more than once i purposely tried to act quote sexy to get his attention sometimes it ended up in penetrative sex but mostly it was me jacking him off we had anal sex once when i was 10 10 or so and all I remember was how badly it hurt. My brother showed me how to masturbate and sometimes I still think of that to which I want to say all of those things that you felt back then and now are completely normal. They are a healthy response to unhealthy things that happen to you and it's no reflection on who you are sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. Uh, I end up watching porn where the woman gets angry at the guy for not pulling out or when the condom breaks or something. No idea why, but I always gravitate towards it. Bonus points. If the video shows the woman getting angry, what if anything would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to, to every guy I've ever fucked, I'm sorry. I always cry. I don't mean to, and I don't know how to stop it. Um, That's one of the reasons why I wanted to read this because that is a hallmark symptom of PTSD from sexual trauma. And I really, really encourage you to find a mental health professional to process this with. Check out the Rape and Incest National Network. Uh, their website is r a i n n dot org, and they are a great resource. It doesn't matter how long ago something happened to you. Um, it doesn't matter if it's something that was. Uh, it has nothing to do with pro- the prosecutability of something. They know how um, how much this stuff can wound us. And they can help you recover, um, or at least get you pointed in the right direction. And help connect you to, to people who can, if they can't, if they can't do it. Um, have you shared these things with others? Oh fuck, no, I haven't shared this. Uh, how do you feel after writing these things down? I kind of want to throw up anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences. It's easier to be honest and ask for help as it's happening rather than decades later. Trust your instinct. It knows when something is wrong. And it is never too late to get help. It is never too late. You know, I waited 30 years and um, that's that's how long it took for me to feel like, um, I don't know, But it's never too late. It's never too late. This is a happy moment, thank God. Filled out by Sunshine Lollipop. <laughs> she writes I had one of the best therapy sessions today. I talked about a secret I've been holding in for a couple of years that had been weighing down on me. I got some really good feedback and guidance from my therapist. When I left, I felt so much better than I had since like I got the than I so much better than I had since, like I got the greatest present to be at peace and let myself start forgiving myself. I felt freedom to start moving on. I got in my car, turned down my music, and the first song that came on was Three Little Birds by Bob Marley. I felt like it was the universe applauding my small feet and letting me know that, quote, every little thing is gonna be all right. Uh, I felt so awesome. I love therapy. Oh, you know I love getting emails or reading surveys like that. It just makes my day. Um, <laughs> just have the image of myself outside a therapist's office looking at somebody like Dirty Harry looking at somebody daring them to go in and say and make my day uh, this is filled up by Murphy and this is a struggle in a sentence and she writes about her anxiety uh, her social anxiety you see a room full of people I see a room full of opportunities to embarrass myself that's a great one about her ruminating she writes i still feel really bad about that stupid thing i said maybe i should call and apologize it's only been 10 years i still i still ruminate about a shit about shit more than 10 years ago this is an awful moment filled out by a brain farting name creator And uh, she writes, uh, searching for pornography to masturbate to, only to stumble upon the first, quote, older man, younger girl video you watched as a teen exploring a fantasy that had been created by a combination of daddy issues and sexual assault, followed by both appreciating how far you've come and also questioning oneself for still being in the position of finding the same video years later and then coming to it wow thank you for sharing that that is that is awful some this is a shame and secret survey filled out by a guy who calls himself barry glib he's straight in his 20s was raised in a slightly dysfunctional environment he's never been sexually abused but he has been emotionally abused he writes i had a friend who was very narcissistic although i didn't want To be friends with him right away because of his racism and sexist views eventually i felt like i needed to hang out with him a lot in order to quote make him better he would criticize everything i did down to my mannerisms appearance and anything i did that he could think was quote beta as in not being manly enough i assume that means like as opposed to alpha as in an alpha male Uh, After the death of my other best friend, I latched onto him because his grandiose sense of self-esteem seemed to be some kind of stability in my world, darkest thoughts, that the thoughts I had during my psychotic episode are actually true, that reality really is a simulation, that everyone knows what I'm thinking all the time and that love is something imaginary that the devil came up with in order to lull me into a false sense of security darkest secrets during my psychosis i urinated on a public building rooted around for cigarettes in front of families at a park was extremely close to stealing a van with the keys still in the ignition chased after a car in a suburban area and was scared that god needed me to molest children in order to get to heaven it was shortly after one wondering this that i decided to really try and get better as i felt that i was close to doing something illegal and extremely immoral wow that is heavy um sexual fantasy is most powerful to you i get off on thinking about dominating women but them want but them wanting it or eventually coming around to liking it i like the idea of being absolutely in control of a woman also i kind of enjoy the idea of mother or daughter incest as well as men transforming into women Sometimes I have violent fantasies of killing all other men, especially ones who are bigger or more masculine than me, so that I can have their women. I feel a little bit creepy admitting that I enjoy what I do and would be extremely embarrassed if anyone found out. I feel an uncertainty uh, that my deep sexual thoughts bleed into real life and that if someone like a coworker found out, I'd be fired and made to feel ashamed." What, if anything, we would like to say to someone you haven't been able to? I wish I could write a kind of suicide note without committing suicide. Like I could sum up everything good and bad that has happened and say goodbye to everyone, putting a wistful spin on all of our relationships. Doing that now and then having to spend time with them would probably just be awkward and I feel like would be a really shitty conclusion. You know, my thought as I read that was... it. it support groups are kind of like a minor version of that but without um the shitty conclusion you get to open up and you get to tell people how i feel because everyone else in the support group is doing it so it's not like you're in a bar talking about sports and then all of a sudden you you know you lean over to your best friend and say you know your friendship moves me deeply. Uh, it, it, it kind of, uh, support groups are great because there's a, a tone set in them that makes it easy for those kind of conversations and that kind of emotional language to, uh, to flow what if anything you wish for i want to be content with my world i wish that i didn't have to second guess every minute decision like having a bath or drinking milk on the off chance that it is immoral i wish i could connect with people like i do when i'm drunk but with the rationality of when i'm sober Uh, have you shared these things with others sometimes but nothing sexual i'm very squeamish when it comes to sexual stuff probably because i want to project an image of being somewhat in control of my emotions and feelings and my deep fear of being creepy how do you feel after writing these things down a little more level-headed and actually kind of happy i feel like now that my fantasy is expressed online i can kind of let go of it and just be me comfortably that's awesome is there anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences? We all have 100,000 acres in our heads to keep to ourselves. You don't have to worry that other people will think you weird for thinking thoughts. You can't blame the neurons in your brain for connecting into logical pathways. Well put. Thank you, Barry. Thank you very much for that. Um, this is a happy moment filled out by Kiko. Keiko? um She writes, Today I did crow pose for the first time. It's a yoga pose where you balance on your hands while your knees rest on the backs of your upper arms. For months and months I practiced, always falling right back down on the ground. But today I tried again after a nice long warm up. I looked ahead, breathed steadily, brought that second knee up and held my body in place for three whole seconds. I came back to my feet and stood up with a huge grin. I was in my bedroom alone so no one was there to see it but I immediately started laughing and congratulating myself out loud. That is such, first of all, that's awesome and it's, uh, um, you just paint such a great picture but that is like one of the greatest examples of self-care, the payoff of self-care. Yoga being the way to, care for self and then the the moment of happiness she got as uh seeing herself progress this is a struggle in a sentence survey filled out by cindy 87 and she struggles with bulimia depression and body image issues and snapshot from her life she she writes um wake up promise myself that i'll be productive today Binge until 11 a.m. Realize that it's almost noon, so start purging. Collapse on sofa for one hour. Promise myself that I'll get some work done in the afternoon. Binge again, then purge. It's already 4 p.m. Try to work for two hours before family members come home. Oh, man, sending you some love. Really, really encourage you to um, find a support group. For eating disorders or find a therapist that specializes in it this is a struggle in a sentence filled out by a guy who calls himself sharpie maker or sharpie marker uh, about his add he writes my brain took five shots of espresso and went for a swim in a stormy ocean that's great About his anxiety it's 8 p.m sunday night and tomorrow is the first day of ninth grade at a new school i feel that way all day Wow, that is so descriptive. That is a special kind of stomachache. Sunday night. Sunday night before the first day of school at a new
1: school. Holy shit.
0: This is um, from the Body Shame Survey, and this is filled out by a woman who calls herself uh, Cuddles on Cuddles, and she is... Um, She's in her twenties. She writes, "I've always looked different than everyone around me growing up. I was a black female growing up in the suburbs of New Jersey. My hair was different. My skin color was different. I was five foot six at twelve years old, and oh yeah, I was one hundred and ninety-five pounds. I never noticed how fat I was until this guy I had a crush on told me I looked like five hundred pounds of chewed bubble gum. I was thirteen. Jesus." i suddenly noticed i stood out in a bad way i hated everything about my body except my tits which i still love i especially hated the way my fleshy thighs rubbed together when i wore shorts i still do to this day and i rarely wear shorts or pants for that matter because I just refuse to accept how fucking fat my legs are. Of course, I started starving myself at 13. Maybe some people are, quote, good at being anorexic. I think I'm actually just too extroverted and promiscuous, or maybe manic to be anorexic. That only lasted a few years at 16 i dabbled between flat out starving myself for days and binging and purging for days when i started driving at 17 i became straight up bulimic i was actually buying food just to eat it and throw it up it seems weird to write that now it seems like i've been bulimic forever but it's actually only been 10 years one decade lovely i'm almost 28 and have had an eating disorder for 14 of those years for the first time ever i'm doing pretty well i haven't binged or purged in 93 days that's the longest i've gone since i quote switched over to the dark side it's funny when i look back at it anorexics are usually reserved with their food and with their life bulimics are usually outrageous with their food i.e eating whole cakes and pizzas together uh, and in their life so that's why i call it the dark side anyway i'm starting to accept my body I'm super pretty. People tell me that every day. I still love my tits, and now they're pierced, so they're even better. Since gaining some weight back, I've even grown an actual black ass. I still do hate my thighs, though, and I always want to lose weight. I don't want my tits uh, to shrink, though, so it's always a dilemma. But they say body image is the last thing to go when recovering from an eating disorder, so maybe one day I will appreciate my legs. After all, they carry me everywhere. I can even run pretty fast. But for now, I'll continue hating parts of my body and loving other parts and continue the road to recovery. Thank you so much. That was so moving. And what I really loved about it is it gives such... such an accurate depiction of how confusing and... um unpredictable recovery can be that it's so much of two steps forward and one step back and um and that it's just a daily just one day at a time just a one day at a time thing but thank you for that this is uh from the what has helped you survey and this is filled out by a um woman who calls herself i need to move out uh she's a teenager she's um 18 or 19 And her issues are depression, anxiety, and an alcoholic brother. And what helps her deal with them? Support from friends, family, and my therapist. In parentheses, she's great. Uh, What have people said or done that have helped you with your issues? She writes, I was going through a really rough patch with my alcoholic brother when I was in high school because he was in and out of hospitals and rehab and living at home. I had one friend who always asked about him without me having to bring it up. I was so grateful to her for that. Sometimes I didn't want to talk about it and I would tell her that and she wouldn't push me at all, but most of the time I did want and need to talk about it, but I felt selfish and awkward bringing it up on my own. I made clear to tell her that I liked that she brought it up because it gave the opportunity opportunity to vent or move on years later a friend of hers at college had recently been diagnosed with depression and she came to me to ask how to be a good friend to her struggling friend it made me so happy to tell her to just be the friend she had always been to me to check in on her and figure out how often she wanted to be checked in on that's beautiful that is that's a happy moment right there this is a struggle in a sentence fil- filled out by um a teenager. She calls herself eating alone and about her anxiety. She writes, I have trichotillomania. I pull out my eyelashes and eyebrows. I consider, consider myself, quote, lucky because I don't pull the hair on my head now being in a new college I sit alone in the dining hall pulling out my eyelashes what makes me stop is the thought of people thinking I'm picking my nose Ha ha! my family can notice it and say you have no eyelashes you need to stop but I can't I know there's help out there for that I know there's help and I know a lot of people struggle with trichotillomania and dermatillomania sending you some love Hang in there. This is a shame and secret survey filled out by a woman who calls herself Darla Baum. She is in her 30s. She's straight. She was raised in a pretty dysfunctional environment. Um, ever been the victim of sexual abuse. Some s- stuff happened, but I don't know if it counts. Uh, and then she writes, uh, raped, but somehow enjoyed it. Uh, got my first STD from it. And I assume that what you mean when you say somehow enjoyed it, meaning that there was physical pleasure in it. And that is super common. Your soul and your body, and I'm sorry for being on my soapbox because I say this all the time, but your body and your soul can experience two completely different things um, in the same moment. Your body can be enjoying pleasure while your soul is, uh, is not and is horrified or frightened or numb or dissociated. Um, She's been emotionally abused, but she does not uh, go into detail about anything. Darkest thoughts. I want to die of cancer so I don't feel pushed to kill myself. Darkest secrets. I've given herpes to at least one person. Uh, My mother used to masturbate in front of me. Uh, Sexual fantasies most powerful to you. Rape and domination by others. How does it sharing that make you feel i feel acknowledged what if anything would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to uh i have herpes somehow even though i was scared of sex and always used condoms until age 36 i am positive i will die alone and possibly of suicide though i want children more than anything and to be loved uh what if anything do you wish for love have you shared these things with others? I have a therapist and been seeing her since age 24. She knows everything. How do you feel after writing these things down? Light. Is there anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences? Open up, learn your emotions, and connect to them and be vulnerable. And uh, any suggestions to make the podcast better? She writes, No, I feel like I found my people. Oh, that is so touching. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that and, um, just keep working with that therapist on that stuff, man. And, um, if you, if you want, uh, to be put in touch with people, um, who have experienced similar things that you experienced with your mom. Um, I know a lot of women, um, whose moms did that in front of them too. And uh, I'd be happy to put you in contact with them if you want some some kindred spirits to um, to open up with and maybe to feel less alone. Um, this is an email that I got. Um, it's really a happy moment to me, and she she says I can either call her Steph or anxiously awaiting updates on herbert's asshole um paul love the intro to episode 264 i really really needed to hear your quick summation of the passage you're reading in a new earth um my 17 year old came out to us as trans last October, and although we are completely supportive of our child, we are completely heartbroken and petrified to release our sweet kid into a sometimes savage world. Our child is still presenting as male, but has slowly uh, begun to tiptoe out and has been wearing bright pink nail polish to school. I asked today if anyone has said anything about the nails, and he told me that some hick had asked him if he'd, quote, gone gay. My kid answered, it was a Super Bowl bet gone bad, and the other kid responded, good, otherwise I would have to take your fucking head off. Oh my God, Paul, he hasn't even come out yet, and he's already being threatened. My worst fears realized. Anyway, this has sent me into a tailspin and you can see how your message of living in this moment rather than catastrophizing the future was something I needed to breathe in tonight. And this is the part I love. Tonight, my kid is fine. Tonight, my kid is in a home full of people that love and accept him unconditionally. Tonight, there is safety and peace. Thank you for bringing back uh, to mindfulness uh, I guess we'll deal with the future when it gets here. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And it's so awesome to see parents supporting their kid. Um this is a struggle in the sentence survey filled out by a woman who calls herself andy pandy and about her sex addiction she writes my bipolar borderline personality disorder makes me want it all the time and i cut so that i do not cheat about having ocd she writes controlling my surroundings as if that makes me feel any less like a psycho masturbating seven times a night until it hurts then checking my windows man it sounds like you are in a lot of pain a lot of pain there's a ton of help out there for um the things that you're struggling with and um just know you're not alone this is a happy moment filled out by i know we've read a survey of hers before six piece chicken mcnobody how do you forget that name um And this is a happy moment. She writes, I was around 17 and had been feeling really low. So my boyfriend took me to the beach, which is always a good bet with me. He says, bookstores or beaches are always a safe feel better for you. Uh, A safe feel better for you. Uh, My depressive episodes can get pretty intense. And that whole week I had stopped being depression numb and started being depressive, intensely sad. He was making every effort to cheer me up and we stepped into the water together him chattering away about something for the sake of distracting me i only made it rib deep before a huge fish came flying out of the water and smacked me across the face the entire length of the fish just hit me across the face and the only thing i could say in high-pitched horror was rude I looked at my boyfriend to confirm that that had just happened and he started laughing hysterically at how genuinely offended I was. And Before I knew it, I was laughing too. It was sort of like the universe putting me in this serious setting, walking slowly and deeply into the sea just to get bitch slapped by a fish. And finally, here's a happy moment filled out by a woman who calls herself Over the Rainbow. She writes, I'm in recovery from alcoholism and drug addiction and I've been sober for over three years. I recently found a picture of myself from before I got sober and I was instantly taken back to the feelings of shame, secrecy, and depression that I lived with while actively using. My face in that picture said it all. I was fucking miserable. My life was nothing. All of these memories came rushing back and I was so ashamed of myself in that moment. But I stopped myself from falling into the self-pity trap because I am not that person anymore. I love myself, and I am happy for the first time in my almost 27 years on this planet. I realize that each and every one of my negative experiences and feelings shaped me into the woman I am today. I am happy I suffered the way I did because now I can use those experiences to help others recover. I love myself and my life today. I love that I found a solution for my disease and I don't have to suffer anymore. It feels so fucking good to be able to write this and actually mean it. Okay. How do you, how do you, how do you not end on that? I know I say that all the time, but... there's I, I, Just one of my favorite loves is when you guys give me a happy moment or an awfulsome moment or something and i just know right away that that's that's when i'm going to end the podcast on and then when i read it i just there's a feeling of completeness like like it's like it's just the perfect note to to end on you know it's um this is going to sound cheesy but when i read the surveys i feel like a conductor And you guys are writing the music for it. And I just get to kind of witness it passing through me um, and enjoy it, even when it's painful. You know, enjoying that might not be the right word. Be moved by it. Um, You're just such an important part of this podcast. And um, I can never thank you enough. If you're out there and you're feeling stuck, I hope this last 122 minutes has reminded you that you're not alone and that there's hope, there's help. It can get better. And you don't have to figure your entire life out right now. You just have to take it minute by minute. And um, yeah, it can get better. It can. And
1: uh,
0: thanks for listening.
1: Everybody i know is bizarrely beautiful it's everybody, I know, is way. Bizarrely everybody I know weird ways bizarrely beautifully fucked up in some know weird ways bizarrely way. beautifully it's fucked up in some weird ways